Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves, hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. I would like to begin by paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where at Brainwaves we tell our stories, and land where the traditional custodians have told their stories for many, many years before us, and continue to tell their stories. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who are listening today. This is part two of the comedy series that we're running. Uh, part one was last week. Um, enjoy the show. How about you, Julia? Do you take a long time to write your sketches or do you sort of keep them pretty quick? For me, it's a little bit of a mixed bag depending on, on what type of sketch that I'm doing. If it's a story, just like that wonderful one from Uncle Mitch, it can take a couple of weeks to do because you're always honing the language, trying to get that perfect comedic nuance. And that just takes time and rehearsal and you think about it and then you come back to it and you scrub out a section and then you regret scrubbing out that section and you put it back and all that happens. Other times, like like the moth I did about a week ago, I did that at three in the morning the night before. I just was in the shower and I thought, you know what, I reckon I've got a story finally. So I wrote out just a couple of quick points and did it in my head a little bit during the day. And other times if we're talking about one-liner jokes, I'll just write them down when they come and it could be a period of weeks or months, sometimes even years before I can find the the right place to pop them. So it really depends what, what sort of joke that I'll, I'll be telling at the time my hope is to go more into storytelling so I'm thinking that that'll be just an ongoing thing writing down stories over days and weeks and having them ready to roll whenever they're needed that's not all mental health themes is it do you write about other just everyday stuff I, I do so so I'm working on on a couple of novels at the moment one of them is on mental health themes the other one's about the Ravens who I've befriended and I write stuff about relationships as well. So it's just anything that strikes me as being humorous at the time. But for me, mental health is definitely a major theme and I'm going to continue doing that no matter what else I write about. Do you find writing comedy uh, a difficult process? Is it fairly natural? You like? For me, it's been quite difficult because I never believed that I could do it. I used to see comedians up on stage and I thought, wow, how do they move like that? How, how do they know how to walk on stage? Where do, they, where do they put their hands? How do they know how to modulate their voice so that people will listen rather than it sounding like a monotone like this? Like it was all – because when you talk to people normally, you don't put a terrible amount of thought in it. You're just you and people either like you or they don't. But when you're up on stage, 
it's only you. And and so, yeah. yeah. That, 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 that wasn't really... That wasn't really something that, that that I thought that I thought I could do, and I've completely forgotten your question. I'm so sorry. I was just wondering if it was a difficult process for you. Like, like, I think you answered it, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, it it, 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 it is a little bit of a difficult process if you don't believe in yourself. That's but I think funny. once you start, yeah. I was going to say it's well, quite you, new to you, like you said. You're just learning the the craft, don't you? Definitely. Like I've only been doing this for a year. Like I tried raw yeah. comedy a couple of years ago. Then I was so horrified by the experience. I thought no one laughed, and but then I heard a recording and they did. But by that stage, I was still a bit jumpy about it. So it's yeah. I, I think I, I think if you don't believe in yourself and you look for ways to criticize yourself, it can be difficult to do. But I think if if you believe in yourself and especially if you get some help from other comedians, then things start to come together. And I'm finding the process of writing comedy is just easier and easier. And people are responding more and more, so that's really heartening. I'm very excited to see where all of us are going to be in five years' time because we're all just growing so exponentially. <laughs> do you think you you'll take like doing this? You take on a bit of a different persona, like Juliet. You sound really like punch chucking in jokes here and there. Do you find you more funny in in everyday life? Um, I generally am funny in everyday life, but I think when I get up on stage, I have the confidence to be the person that that, that I want to be. Like like when I get up on stage, I feel like I'm I've got a little bubble around me, and just everything is going really well and wonderfully, and I can say exactly what I want to be, whoever oh, what I want to be, and there's just there's just nothing anyone can say about it. That's me up up on stage. Whereas I think perhaps in everyday life, sometimes you can second guess yourself, but on stage I'm I'm not like that. So I, I feel like I'm a more confident persona, and and I guess I. I, I do do things when I get up on stage to try and feel more confident. Like I've got a couple of velour jackets that I wear that make me feel really good. Like when I put them on, I know I'm going to have a good night. These are my performing jackets. And I've got some funky sneakers that I put on. When I put these on, these are my performing sneakers. And I'm going to have a good night and it's going to be awesome. And people are going to laugh, damn it. So <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, I like that. You see, I, I mentioned sneakers, laughter. It works. Like tennis players that wear the same pair of undies every match or something. <laughs> There's an idea. <laughs> you have cut down on my washing. Thank you so they much. They don't wash them, though. They just have to wear the same pair every time, I think. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to you know, draw the audience towards me, not repel them, so possibly not. Yeah. Okay, we might take another break and uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back again. Today on Brainwaves, we're doing comedy with Mitch Rowan and Juliet. So last but certainly not least, uh, would you like to perform your work, Rowan? I would. I would. Um, yeah, I'd just start off with, um, I guess it must have that classic heckle, tell us a joke, you know, as though that's something people can't, can't do when they're on stage. And that's the worst thing they can ask of you, you know, yeah. tell a joke. So we'll start off with a joke. And my first joke is, why did the octopus go to the psych ward? Why? Because it had it had schizophrenia. <laughs> but um, yeah, moving on, it's a coincidence <laughs> that I'm on a show called Brainwaves because I've been thinking about aliens. If they've mastered interstellar travel, 
surely they're perfected telepathy. In that case, aliens wouldn't have silly names like Zico or Fleacox. They'd all be known as brainwaves. Ideally, it would work for them, but just imagine if it was like the internet, all URLs and passwords. Maybe they get so murderously frustrated, they never make it to Earth alive. <laughs> I just, just love thinking about aliens, about aliens. They're so advanced can be so, and, and then can be so clueless. Well, that's what they'd have us believe. Remember how many more sightings there were in the golden age of Hollywood? And any cinematographer would have a huge task getting those big alien heads into the frame. A close-up? Just not possible. And don't forget Superman's an alien from Krypton. I never understood why he's susceptible to kryptonite. I can go home for Christmas and not pass out. <laughs> Although Alaparadol can lay me low. And he's the man of steel. I'm curious about his morning routine. Bearing in mind he's a man of steel, he must shave with an angle grinder. <laughs> Perhaps I'm being too literal, but how did um, a sports state and country named after a comic book series? It's a marvel how the Marvel Universe tells the exact same story over and over. The superheroes kicking back, um, they notice that a baddie causes the trouble, they respond by fighting and win the day. And this thing is repeated over and over until too much money is not enough. But um, <laughs> it used to be that the original ideas made the money. All right, maybe Gone with the Wind wasn't exactly yeah, an original, uh, but it was impressive. Um, so I was just noticing the posters around saying, for more on Rouge, which is, says the spectacular is back. Really? The sun and moon is spectacular? And they come out every night and day. Why do people <laughs> rave about the raging TV shows when the sun and moon had many more viewers? Although the worst TV show won't burn your eyes out like the sun. TV is impressive in one area, like radio. And that's being you know, the ability to be in more than one place at a time. Particle physicists, well, I'm getting a bit esoteric here, they say that the fundamental mystery of quantum physics is the ability to be in two places at once and the way of particle duality. Don't worry, no one really gets it. But a TV show can be in millions of places at once. How? I'm not sure. But Erwin Schrodinger's cat being neither dead nor alive sounds like every cat I've ever known. And also, I'm wondering about Elon Musk and his uh, SpaceX and whether they're sitting dogs into space like the Russians did in the 50s. But poor Loka, she had such an amazing view of all the parts on Earth, but there was no one to take her for a walk. <laughs> I like to chip it up better, better time. <laughs> and like, there'd be some logic puzzles to pass the time. But SpaceX doesn't have a very good record. All sorts of inept malfunctions are explained away. So even when they launch an intact rocket to Mars, I feel the most sympathy for the parents. How many times are those people going to hear... Are we there yet? All the way to Mars. The one will even want to go to Mars. It's hostile to mammals, has no atmosphere, and sure will make people pray for a blue sky. Um, what's more, it costs a fortune, and it's so dependent on technology that if it fails, all the people will explode. And that's why those billions 
billions that speak to Earth before they um, go off, off and spreading their ways throughout the galaxy. But that's that's just my take on that. Uh, just took a couple of quick science questions on the on the subject. Um, do you ever wonder how cultures that don't have chickens describe to people what food they haven't eaten before tastes like? Chicken or fish? Yeah, and how do ice cubes evaporate in the freezer? I've always thought that process involves some kind of heat. And and can you tell someone? And how can you tell someone you're travelling faster than the speed of sound? (laughs) And if there are dimensions, what keeps us in in our place? And also, if you're um, travelling faster than the speed of light, how can you see where you're going? <laughs> and the last question, this is another joke to um, finish on. People are always telling me to dye my hair. I tell them I don't have any use for a coloured rabbit. <laughs> Dye's hair. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what use is a coloured rabbit, I suppose? Less, exactly. Less of Easter. Yeah. Chocolate one. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, so the, that was basically, I had to add a little, little bit more to, to add to that, but it's just. It's a That was good. You're a bit more D D&M, a bit more deep and meaningful. Yeah, well, that's what I was trying <laughs> to sort of get across, sort of noticing things that around the neighbourhood or whatever that people might not take the time to sort of pick up on and just sort of uh, thinking how things would work if they were done differently. And if you were a dog in space, what would you be thinking about? You know, they wouldn't be thinking about, you know, kudos, whatever. They'd be thinking about, you know, going for a run, you know. <laughs> They're stuck yeah. in that stuck in a little, little tiny little capsule, you know. And, yeah, that, that kind of thing. So that's mean about sort of having, like, an inspiration and sort of following that and uh, seeing where it goes. And yeah, thinking about it in my head a few times, and then yeah, getting it down. So, what are what are your yeah. favorite favorite themes to write about? Uh definitely aliens. I mean, they've they've changed the name of aliens. Yeah, they don't call them UFOs anymore. They're called something else, which makes me think there must be some reason why they're changing the name. It's I mean, it's not like they change the name of food stuffs. You know, there, there's some reason why it's different. I and I reckon the next time, yeah, and the next time they um have to change the name or something because it's you know it's not politically correct, they should just call the things PCs and be done with it. <laughs> so, yeah, PC one, PC two, PC three, PC hundred. That's right. That's right. It's like when I was, um, you guys, when I was rec- uh, recovering. Um, I went to comedy shows a lot around Melbourne. I found it intimidating at times just being in the audience. It must take a lot of courage for you guys to perform, do you think? Do you think it takes a lot of, is it hard to perform? Even on, I, even on radio? Do you find it hard on radio? I just, just didn't. Yeah, I know when I hadn't been on stage before at the Mojo, I like nearly introduced me and then she just left the stage and then it was like, like an empty space that was sort of, mind to fill, you know, it's sort of like I was meant to sort of take that space, you know, that, that's the thing I remember thinking, I had been in a situation before, but just thinking that this, this is my opportunity, I've got to take the 
the chance I've been given here and actually stepping up. It's a feeling of like stepping up to the challenge. That's what I remember feeling. You feel that satisfaction afterwards? Yeah, yeah. Feel like you've achieved, you haven't dipped out? Is there any times you thought, no, I can't do this, I might dip out? Oh, right, right before I got on stage, you know, sort of in the green room, sort of going from the green room to the stage, I was just, yeah, that, that kind of feeling, like, what, what am I doing, you know, sort of, can I, can I, can I actually do this? So. What about you, Mitch, yeah. and Juliet? Did you ever sort of thought, no, I can't do it, and you've, or you just battle on and do it? Oh, yeah. Traditionally, I've, I've, I've been terrified of public speaking, you know, even, you know, being out in class at school to answer a question or go up the front and read something or whatever. I've been nervous about that. And at uni, I was terrified. I had trembles. My voice would quake and the paper would rattle and my mouth would be so dry I could barely speak and then that made me even more self-conscious. Um, so in going into the comedy workshops with Nelly, I um, you know, had no intention of, of performing, but um, Nelly just has a way of, of, of bringing things out in people, good things, and, um, and she had the confidence in me to get up and, and I thought, well, yeah, I'll give it a go. And, and like Rowan, um, going from the green room to the stage just beforehand, uh, mm. was, I was about to, to, to say nothing, pull a pin on it. But um, I just yeah. thought, well, I'll give it a go. Maybe there's, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe there is a space there out there that's, that's, that's safe, that feels safe enough to, you know, sort of be vulnerable like that. Mm. Yeah, I felt like performing music. I haven't done much comedy, I don't think, but I've performed music before, and that's similar feeling. <laughs> you got to set up all this equipment, and you got to stand there and give it your all. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think comedy's improved your life? Like, um, oh, definitely meeting new people or funny people, or oh, definitely. Yeah, I never, I never thought. I, look, I never thought I could do comedy. The the first time that I did raw comedy a couple of years ago. It was such a shock. I got up on stage and it was just me on stage and the lights were so bright and everyone was listening to me and because of the acoustics, I couldn't really hear if people were laughing or not and it was just a nerve-wracking experience. Yeah. So I guess to come I guess to come from that point to be able to do some comedy workshops with Nelly and, you know, wonderful people like Mitch and Rowan, I've met so many wonderful people. I've done things that I never thought I could do. And I've also made an impact on other people. Like I've had people, even after that first show, I had someone come up to me and say, that was really necessary comedy. That was just something that made such a difference to them. People need to talk about it. And I've had other people come up to me after other shows as well, even though I haven't done a huge amount of them. So I, I just feel that the more we do comedy, the more positive things come out whether it's you know giving yourself permission to take up space and um conquering a fear making the unfunny into something funny and meeting new people i just feel that i'm more me and i'm much happier when i do comedy and 
I, I get such a wonderful high from it that I just want to do it every day. I love it so much. Yeah. yeah it's it's kind of like ripples in a pond, you know, once you sort of throw the first stone, like it, it keeps on like emanating out, like keeps on sort of going, like it sort of, you know. Right, like things, yeah. Because I, I, know, I know myself, kind of like I come from a fairly large family, so I have brothers and sisters who I could sort of have as an audience. And then I sort of went to doing things, ringing up on the radio, pretending to be different people on the radio. And <laughs> from there I've gone to the actual, you know, the um, less sort of um, stuff in between, sort of more sort of direct, you know, going to the comedy live, which is, you know, the um, the most sort of un- unvarnished. I think that sort of, you know, the most direct. I think that's probably what I'm trying to say. Sort of, yeah. So it's been that progression from different sorts of things to where I am now. Yeah. And you think there's room for comedy and mental health? Definitely. There has to be. Has to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the kind of things that happen to you, like being frog marched into, you know, isolation, you know, by like six people and they're thrown onto the, onto the um, mattress and door slamming, slammed and stuff. I mean, it's not a not a pleasant experience, you know. They, you can barely, you can't sort of walk or sit, drag them along. You know, it's not, yeah, not good. And you don't really sort of forget things like that. That kind of feeling, of more than just, you know, what it's the feeling that comes with it. You know, I will never forget some of the things like that that have happened to me. Till the yeah, time. Yeah. it's tw- it's, it's twenty. So it's for some of the events, it's twenty years later, and I can feel yeah. it, smell it. I can still see it. I could, if you asked me to write a script of it, I could tell you the story e- exactly mm-hmm. and like and and like the thing like, i was thinking about this the other day and the thing is i can find comedy on on what it's like to have cancer and go through chemotherapy i can find c- funny comedy about what it's like to have an acquired brain injury i can find funny comedy about what it's like to have the divorce from hell but i mm-hmm. can't find a comparable amount of comedy about what it's like to have mental mental illness and get treatment and and I just think, you know what? If you can make those things funny, you can make this funny as well. And many people go through it, so make it funny. Yeah. Make people laugh. Yeah. Why don't you? Finding content on mental health humor is hard, is it, sometimes? There's there's honestly not very much. Like Ruby Wax did a wonderful thing about it. Yeah. Drew, Drew Lynch did it. Other comedians do it indirectly, like Bo Burnham and Alice Fraser, but not many people do it really directly. And, and so I feel that I think that we all perform a really valuable task because even though people don't talk about it all the time, many people go through it. So yeah. it, it has. So, so to answer your question, Evan, is there room for comedy, mental health? It's 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 a stronger answer than yes for me. It's a there must be. We need to have this conversation. We need to keep having this conversation until people, until everyone listens, because it's so friggin' important and. You know, when I was going through the worst time of my life, if there'd been this comedy, I think it might have made me feel a little bit less alone and a little bit happier during the worst time of my life. So I guess I'm just trying to pay it forward, give give some comedy when there wasn't any when I needed it. I think the the use of language is important too. Like we sort of take words back from you know the um, the foundations of the mental health network and all that. We're sort of reclaiming. Um, words and terms that are important, you know, so we're making those ours, you know, rather than just letting people, you know, tell us what we've got and diagnosis and all that sort of thing, you know, sort of 
high comedy, you're the latch to sort of re reinvent yourself in a way. And that's an important thing. On that note, I might have to wrap up the show for today. As I say in the business, that's a wrap. Thanks for coming on today and sharing your work. Yeah, I really um, I get to see your next live show. Um, I didn't get to Mojo last last time, but next time, hopefully. For sure. Thanks, Evan. No worries. Thanks, Evan. Amazing. Thank you so much. Brilliant. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hear this show again or other shows we've recorded. Just go to the 3cr.org.au website and stream the podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week for another show. Bye for now from the Brainwaves team on 3CR 855 AM. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.